Good morning, everyone. One more time. Good morning, everyone. Look at this is a great day. It's sunny out. It's warm. It's only minus 18. Never ever thought I'd call minus 18 warm, but it's warm out. And uh, it's not minus 40, so lots to rejoice about. And it's not daylight savings time this week. Please don't forget, next week, clock's ahead one hour. We're starting a brand new series today called Miracles. And uh, I'm excited about this because I believe that this series uh, on miracles is going to take all of us to a whole new place in our spiritual maturity. At least that's my prayer. Uh, I believe that after the message today, I believe that every one of us, hopefully, will be taken to a new place in our maturity where we will actually begin to understand how God works in this world. And so before I begin, uh, I, I, I wanted to share with you a very special, amazing experience I had as a kid. I went to, uh, to camp uh, in the summertime at Calvary Temple Youth Camp, and w- one summer my sister actually went to the camp that was just before the camp that I went to. And when she got home from camp, she said, Alan, I had the most amazing experience with God. And I said, well, what happened? And she said, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues, and I felt the power of God in me. She said, when you go next week, make sure you get that. So I said, okay, I'm, I'll, I'll be doing that. And so when I got to camp the next week, uh, we had our chapel service, and it gets all brand new to me. And uh, I, after the service, after the, you know, the spiritual guide gave his little you know, speech, sharing whatever he wanted us to know, uh, I, I walked forward, not knowing what to do. No one was giving instructions. I knelt down in the front row, and I began to pray. I didn't know what I was praying for. I didn't know what it looked like. I didn't know what it sounded like. All I knew is what my sister said. She said, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues. That's all I knew. I didn't know the theology behind it. I, didn't, I, didn't, I had never heard anybody else do it. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it at all. But I did know that it was something supernatural. And so I began to pray, and someone come and knelt down beside me, put his hand on my back, and said, uh, what are you doing here? Did, did you, is there something I can pray for? I said, yeah, I want to I I speak in tongues. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he said, no problem. All you need to do is just simply cry out to God, tell God that you're sorry for your sin, ask him to forgive you, and then ask him to fill you with his spirit. And so, folks, what happened after can only be described as miraculous. Not something that I could have generated on my own because I simply didn't, didn't understand it or didn't know anything about it. It was something that was completely foreign to me. It was truly super natural. I began to pray, and then suddenly it felt like fire going through me from head to toe. It's the only way I could describe it. And then suddenly I began to speak in another language. And, and I had a sense of joy that was unlike anything I'd ever known in my life. I felt pure joy, pure happiness. And what began to happen is as I began to, to, to shout and, and, and laugh and sing and, and just thank God. And I didn't want to leave. I wanted to stay there. I wanted to stay there all night. But finally, they said, look, you have to go to bed. You know, as wonderful as this is, you got to go to bed. So um, I did go to bed. But here's the thing. That experience in that chapel when I was just a kid was a turning point for me. It became what I would call a touchstone or an anchoring place for my faith. Because I knew that I knew that I knew that on that night, I had met with God. God had met with me. I had experienced him. 
So here's what you need to understand today about God, about the Christian faith, about the Bible. It is all about miracles. If you take the miracles out of the Bible, folks, you are left with with little more than a, a book full of inspirational stories and a moral code, do's and don'ts. The miraculous is God breaking into our lives, God breaking into space and time. And the thing that you and I need to understand is that God is not subject to space and time. He is not governed by space and time the way you and I are. We are born, we live a certain number of years, and then we die. With God, there is no limitations as we understand, understand limitations. And so here's, here's what you need to know, what I need to know, is that from the very beginning of time, from the creation of Adam and Eve, all the way through to today, we see a string, a line of miracle after miracle after miracle. We look at the creation that we read about in the first few chapters of Genesis, and we have to conclude that it's nothing less than miraculous. We see the creation, and we see God's, uh, God creating this world out of nothing. We see God creating Adam and Eve out of the dust of the ground and breathing life into them. We would have to conclude that this is miraculous. Now, here's the thing, because some of you are sitting here today and say, well, I don't believe in that. I believe in evolution. Okay, so the question, <laughs> it begs the question, if you believe in evolution, fine, I respect that. But the question is this, where did the, where did the building components come from in the first place? You, and you can't dismiss that. So getting back to the Bible again, and, and this book full of miracles, we look, at, we look at Abraham and Isaac, and if you read the story, you'll discover that we've got um, some geriatrics here, some people who should be buying a coffin and not a crib. But here's, Ad, here's Abraham and Sarah, uh, at really, at, a, at 100 years of age, and they're, they're, they're buying a crib. They're not buying coffins. They're not buying a plot at the graveyard, getting ready to pack it in. They're not, they're not moving into retirement home or into an old folks' home. They're getting ready to have a child. And this is what we see throughout the scriptures. You see miracle after miracle after miracle. We, we move on to the people of Israel, and we've, we find them uh, enslaved in Egypt, and we see them enslaved for 400 years. And then suddenly said, God says, that's enough. We're, we're going to set them free. And then what follows is what all of us know, especially if you've seen the movie Exodus. You've seen, you, you know what I'm talking about. You see a string of miracles. We see, Abra, uh, we see Moses with his staff. He throws it on the ground. What happens? He becomes a, a snake. You know the story. And then goes on from there. And, and Moses keeps coming to Pharaoh saying, let my people go, let my people go, let my people go. And finally, we, we, we see what, what unfolds. We see God unleashing the 10 plagues that affect Egypt and the children of Israel being delivered from Egypt. And then what happens? They find themselves on the seashore and Pharaoh's armies are right behind. And what does God do? He does another miracle. He parts the Red Sea and they go through on dry land and we see Pharaoh's army being destroyed. We get to the place where uh, Israel has left Egypt. They're roaming through the wilderness, and God decides that he's going to show himself in, a, in a, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, wouldn't that be cool if when you went to school every morning, you could see a cloud following you, and that night, a pillar of fire following you home? Well, that's what God did for Israel. And not only that, but God fed them on a daily basis. They woke up every morning, and their breakfast was on the ground. 
In fact, there was, there was a breakfast, lunch, and supper, and all they had to do was gather up enough for the day, and God, God was feeding this, this way. Miraculous. And then we even see God protecting these people who, remember, were slaves for 400 years. They were not a trained army. They didn't have any, any weapons. They had really no way to protect themselves. If God didn't move in and protect them miraculously, they'd all be slaughtered. And guess what God does? He protects them. He guides them. He leads them through the wilderness. And folks, on the way, we find uh, somebody trying to curse Israel. And finally, this man refusing to, to listen to God, God speaks to him through what? A talking donkey. Now, ladies, this is not the husband. <laughs> this, is, this is a donkey that's really talking. And, he's, and, he, and he, he, the donkey chastises this so-called prophet. And the prophet's named Balaam. We read on. We find Joshua fights the battle of Jericho, marches around the walls, and what happens? The walls come tumbling down. And if that's not enough, Joshua's fighting a battle, and, and next thing you know, the sun is standing still. At least that's the, the language used. What's going on? God's giving them sunlight so that they can get the battle dealt with and can bring it to a completion. We find Samson in one of the judges of Israel, we find Samson pushing over the columns so that the building collapsed. It's supernatural strength. We find Elijah, one of the great prophets. And what does he do? He calls down fire from heaven and destroys the, 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 uh, the sacrifice to God miraculously. And we see miracle after miracle after miracle like that. We find Daniel in the lion's den and the, and the lions do not devour Daniel. Miraculously, God has shut the mouths of the lion. And we find the three boys in the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar's looking in at this fiery furnace, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not, they're not destroyed, they're not consumed by that fire. In fact, Nebuchadnezzar sees, in fact, that there is a fourth person in that furnace, and it's none other than Jesus himself with those boys, and they're not consumed. And then we read about the birth of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, and we see the miracles that Jesus performs. He's walking on water. He's feeding multitudes of 5,000 people and another time 4,000 people with loaves and fishes. And we see, we see Jesus uh, raising people from the dead and we see Jesus healing people and casting demons out of people. And then we see Jesus dying on a cross but rising from the dead. We call it the resurrection. And we see Jesus' disciples then doing the very things that Jesus said they would do. In fact, Jesus said that his disciples would do greater things than him. Folks, listen. You take the miracles out of this Bible and, and you, don't have, you don't have a faith anymore. You take the miracles out of our faith and it's not Christianity. It's, it's just a philosophical way of living in this world. So here's why it's so important for you and, under, you and I to understand what miracles are and why God performs them. It's because it's, an, it's the evidence that the Almighty God is at work in our world in space and time. Now, some people, they don't call themselves Christians. They call themselves deists or, or theists. They believe that there's some kind of an impersonal God out there, an impersonal force in the universe that's you know, has sort of created things and just sort of let things be. As Christians, we believe in a personal God who's at work in the lives of his people, who's at work in this world. There's a group of people, uh, of Christians called cessationists. If you've ever heard of John MacArthur, you'll know, uh, who I'm you'll know just an example of somebody who believes that 
All miracles have, have ceased. They've come to an end. They would say that at the end of the apostolic age, that is when all the disciples died, that was the end of all miracles. I, however, believe quite differently. I believe that God is still in the business of doing miracles. I believe that God is a God who performs miracles. Look what the psalmist says in Psalm 77, verse 14. He says, and this is how he describes who God is. He doesn't say, God, you do miracles. He says, you are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the people. If you look at this in the original language, you'll see that miracles are not just something that God does. It's the very thing that defines who God is. So if God is a God of miracles, if this is who he is, if this is how he displays himself or reveals himself, then we, it goes without saying that God is still in the business of doing miracles. So here's my prayer. Over the next number of weeks, over this next six weeks, my prayer is that you'll begin to see the miracles that God is doing in your midst. And you're, we're going to see what kind of miracles God does in the world today and in your life. We're going to be talking about that over the next number of weeks. But today, we need to answer a few questions. We need to answer the question, what in fact is a miracle? And then we need to answer the question, why does God do miracles? So let's answer these questions. What is a miracle? Well, Billy Graham in the 1950s was asked uh, the question, Billy Graham, do you believe in miracles? And his, his answer was, uh, you know, a little bit vague and, you know, uh, well, here's what he said. He says, yeah, he believes in miracles. And then he goes on to say, but there are many kinds of miracles around us today. He says, uh, including television, including flights, we're able to fly. These things, he says, are miracles. But then he says, the greatest miracle of all uh, is to take a person and give them a brand new nature. Okay, Billy Graham, I believe half of what you said. I do believe that the greatest miracle of all is that somebody is saved and it receives a brand new nature. Two thumbs up, Billy Graham, but let's not call television and, and flight. Let's not call that miracles. That's not the kind of miracles I'm talking about today. That's, that's, that's kind of a cop-out as far as I'm concerned. But I mean, who am I to tell Billy Graham, right? So, but here it is. Uh, just to be clear, what we're talking about now for the next six weeks is we're talking about not scientific miracles, we're talking about supernatural miracles. Not the miracle of men walking on the moon or TVs or cell phones or, or, or that sort of thing. We're talking about something supernatural where it's not, not miracles that are birthed from, from the creativity of mankind. We're talking about true miracles where God breaks into our world and does something unbelievably. Now, sadly, there are some people who do no longer believe in miracles, and there's, uh, there's some good reasons why they don't believe in miracles. And the first reason is what I would call the crazy reason, because of craziness. Back in November 23, 2004, the BBC actually reported that there was a piece of toast, a piece of toast that sold on eBay for $28,000. A piece of toast that sold for $28,000. The reason it fetched $28,000, folks, is because it had none other than the image of the Virgin Mary on it. Piece of toast with the Virgin Mary on it. Now, folks, I don't know, it must have been an awfully good likeness to fetch $28,000, but I, my mind starts to think about $28,000 for a piece of toast. I think I'm going to get myself a toaster. And I'm going to get myself a loaf of bread. <laughs> and how much money could you get from a loaf of bread if you could just somehow 
wire it. I mean, we got a couple of electricians here. We could wire the toaster somehow to pop up the Virgin Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Think of the money we could raise for missions and the new building that we need so desperately. You know, the world looks on at crazy religious nuts and sees that and they say, you know, Christians are a bunch of boneheads. I mean, what a, it's a craziness. But it gets better, folks, or, or worse, depending on how you look at this. Uh, I got to tell you, I had a lot of fun looking into this. Um, there's claims of, of, of icons, statues of the Virgin Mary that weep. How many have heard of those? And people flock to it. And there's one in, in Ireland where the, the, the Madonna, which is the Virgin Mary, is swaying back and forth like this. Everybody, everybody says, that. I saw it with my own eyes. And so you know what they did? Um, and I don't believe it. Okay, so you could tell me you saw the Virgin Mary swing like that. I, I would not, I'm not believing it for a minute. And so some scientists, what they did is they thought, you know what, everybody's saying that they're seeing this happen. So what they did is they, they set up a camera to actually record the Virgin Mary while everybody else is sitting there looking at the Virgin Mary. And the interesting thing is that everybody who went to see the Virgin Mary swing, including the scientists, they said, yeah, we saw it happen. But then what happened is that they looked at the video footage and in fact they discovered that the Virgin Mary was not swaying. Which made them, to, made them come, to the, come to the conclusion. They realized that the suggestion that everybody is seeing it made them see it themselves. But if they'd asked me, I would have told them, don't bother setting up the equipment. I'm telling you the Virgin Mary is not swaying because that is not how God works. <laughs> There's a guy, a, a, a young couple, that um, were making their lunch, and uh, they, toast, they were toasting a hoagie. You know, hoagie's got lots of different kinds of meats in it. And once the hoagie came out of the toaster, there was none other than the image this time, not of the Virgin Mary, but of Jesus. And they immediately tried to put it on eBay, and they told the, the, the local TV station that what they wanted to do is they're hoping to raise millions from putting this thing on auction. They're hoping that people were going to pay a million dollars to have Jesus toasted on their hoagie. And so, <laughs> and so the announcer having some fun with this, obviously believing it's all a bunch of baloney, uh, no pun intended. That's um, <laughs> what's on a hoagie, right? Um, says, uh, he, he calls it the Holy Ghost on some holy toast. I thought that was good. <laughs> The Holy Ghost and some holy toast, and you're hoping to get a million. I mean, you, again, people look at this and they think, this is, why, this is why I'm not a Christian. This is why I don't follow God. It's a bunch of baloney. And then, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. On eBay, someone sold the pierogi that had the image of Jesus on it. I didn't know that Jesus was Ukrainian. <laughs> There's the image of Jesus on that pierogi, and guess what it fetched? $1,775 on eBay. Now, when we raise money for missions, Roy, I mean, you come up with lots of good ideas. We, we haven't thought of that one yet. But there it is. Let's get some progies and get the image of Jesus on it. 1775 bucks for a progie. And, of course, you've seen the TV evangelists selling what? Their vials of holy water, right? If you drink the holy water, then God's going to do what he calls a divine transfer. The guy's name's Popov. I don't know if you've heard of him yet. He's the guy that was caught calling out people by name and telling them where they live. And everybody thinks, this guy's got miraculous power. 
Meanwhile, he's got an earpiece in his head when his wife is behind the scenes going through all the cards that people signed. And so he'll say, oh, there's Mrs. Smith, and you live, oh, you live in Pennsylvania, and you live on, on uh, oh, what's the street? Oh, what's God saying? Oh, yeah, you live on, on uh, 300 Main Street. This, and the woman's like, oh, she's sobbing, and God's speaking to him, and this is miraculous, and hallelujah. And meanwhile, he's got an earpiece. And you know what it was? It was somebody who was skeptical, and they thought they would bring a radio scanner. They picked up the signal, and it's recorded. You can go to YouTube. Don't do it now, please. Go to YouTube afterward, and you can hear it for yourself. Now, listen, it's this kind of nonsense, this kind of baloney that gullible people swallow and call it religion and call it Christianity. And the fact of the matter, it's not. This preacher who's been making millions, I'm telling you, millions off of selling this, this so-called miracle water, and now he's saying we've, we're, we're sending out more, bigger vials, so that you get more miracles, supposedly. And one evangelist even sells, the, he doesn't sell it. We'll send it to you free with a donation. A green prayer cloth. So whatever your problem is, you, you just get your green prayer cloth, you put it on you, and watch what God will do. Now, I know some of you are really uncomfortable with me talking about this right now, but don't worry. You're going to see in a moment that what I'm saying is 100% correct. There's another reason why people don't believe that God does miracles anymore, and that's because they will say, I believe in science. I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe believe the claims of God. I believe that, uh, that there can't be miracles because I believe in science. As if science has never come to wrong conclusions before. Hello? Do you know what? History, if, you, if you're a student of history, history will show you time and time and time again how scientists have come to wrong conclusions. In fact, if you are familiar with high school uh, physics, then you know that someone like Newton with the theory of gravity, uh, revered by all as one of the great, greatest scientific minds of all time, is corrected by Einstein at the turn of the last century. And you'll, you'll know, you'll, you've heard of Galileo. Anybody ever heard of him? And this is the one that all, everybody who's a, you know, a great believer in science versus God, and I don't know why we have to have that distinction, God versus science or science versus God. It's not that at all, folks. But they'll say, you know, the, the Roman Catholic Church threw Galileo into prison because yeah, he came up with some conclusions that were contrary to the teachings of the church. For instance, it's not the sun that revolves around the earth, but the earth that revolves around the sun. I mean, after all, the Bible says that the sun stood still, right? And so that would imply that it's actually the sun revolving around the earth. But it was Copernicus who actually pointed out that, in fact, that's probably not true. He said it was the other way around. The planets revolve around the sun. Well, nobody is going to make that kind of a statement because they're afraid of the church. And so science, those who claim to or hold to science as the only way, as the only way to interpret life and the only way to live in this world, They'll say this is proof that Christianity and that the church is bogus and that it comes to wrong conclusions. One time, and we're, 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 we're stuck with it for life. Now, there's all sorts of, of scientific paths that we can follow, and I do not pretend to be a scientist. I am not a scientist. But I think I'm smart enough to recognize when scientists come to wrong conclusions. 
Back in 2003, my doctor wanted to prescribe to me a, a drug called Vioxx. And Vioxx, very simply, is a drug to help those with, with arthritis. And I felt at the time, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm too young to be taking th those kinds of drugs. I'm young and I've got a lot of years ahead of me. I don't want to be filling my liver and my body up with, with, that, with that drug. It turns out by 2004 that that drug, Vioxx, which the doctors claimed was the miracle drug for those suffering with arthritis, they said, uh, actually, we're discovering that Vioxx is causing strokes and it's causing heart attacks. And so, therefore, we have to withdraw this miracle drug. It's not a miracle after all. But it's interesting, isn't it, how they're quick to use that term miracle. People who don't believe in them, but they'll use it for that. And how many remember when uh, in the 1980s they were saying, do not eat fat, fat causes heart disease. Anybody remember that? And now they're saying, if you, the young people all know, but the old don't, that's interesting. Um, <laughs> listen to this, listen. They're saying, if you eat fat, it's going to cause heart disease, it's going to clog all your arteries up, don't eat it. And now, now scientists are saying, well, no, it gets, doesn't really work that way after all. You can eat fat. In fact, fat, fat is good for you. Some fat is very good for you. But don't eat uh, saturated fat. Um, or trans fat. Listen, we discovered that if you don't eat fat, you could actually lose your hair, and it can cause all kinds of metabolism problems in your body. How many remember, or maybe you're still, maybe you hold to this, I don't know. They're saying, uh, they're saying for a long time, don't eat wheat. How many remember, you heard that? In fact, I had somebody tell me this on Thursday night. Uh, they don't have any wheat because all wheat is genetically affected, and it's, it's not good for us, and it causes us to be very sick. And it causes what they call uh, wheat belly. Okay, but this is actually toast belly. But anyway, uh, <laughs> listen, listen. On, on Saturday night, CBC has got this, I don't know if anybody saw that special about wheat. Did you see that? And the other's saying, well, maybe it's not true after all. And then they said, don't eat gluten. And then we're finding out, yeah, we, we actually need gluten. And then, then they're saying, don't eat, uh, be careful about cholesterol. Now they're saying cholesterol's not a big deal after all. And so here's what's happening. We've got lawyers now who are advertising and saying, if, you're, if your doctor told you to take Vioxx or told you to take Lipitor's and, uh, or, or whatever it is, uh, we, come to us and we're going to help you get a lot of money from them. What I'm saying, folks, is, well, we're quickly putting our faith in other things other than God because somehow it doesn't add up to us. You are not the final word on anything. And that's my third, my, the third reason why people don't believe in miracles is because they say, my experience has shown me that God doesn't answer prayers. I prayed and God didn't do anything. Therefore, there must not be God, a God and there must not be a such thing as miracles. It's sort of existentialism gone wild. It's like everything is in reference to me and if, if my experience says that, 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 that miracles don't happen, therefore it must be true. I don't say anything more about that, but here's the fourth and most dangerous reason why people don't believe in miracles is because some theologians and some pastors and some churches believe that miracles don't happen. The great uh, and uh, infamous theologian Spinoza back in 1677, he argued in his book, The Theologico-Political Treatise, that any event in Scripture which is inconsistent with natural laws or, or science must be interpreted either as unreliable testimony or as a metaphorical or allegorical representation of a moral truth. For instance, 
If Jesus walked on water, then he would say, Spinoza would say, well, he didn't really walk on water. That is just allegory. It's, help us, it's to help us to understand that Jesus is sovereign over the whole earth and all of the natural laws. Okay, so let's, Spinoza, think about what you just said. If Jesus is, in fact, sovereign over, the, over the, the world, the universe, and all natural laws, then it goes without saying that, in fact, he could walk on water. But you see, we're so quick to dismiss what we don't understand, what we don't believe, that we become actually irrational and illogical in our interpretations and our understanding and the conclusions we come to. So he would go on to say that because the masses are wholly ignorant of the workings of nature, and the masses would be you and me, we're ignorant people, he would say, um, because the masses are wholly ignorant of the workings of nature, they were prone to interpret an, uh, any natural event that could, be, uh, could not be explained as a miracle, uh, and this ridiculous way of expressing ignorance often found its way into Scripture. So what he's saying is that when the people who are writing the Bible saw something that seemed miraculous because they couldn't explain it, uh, they would just naturally call it a miracle. But in fact, it wasn't. Okay, so it's, it started you know, really becoming evident with Spinoza, but it was before Spinoza was after Spinoza. We have, uh, we have uh, Rudolf Bultmann saying exactly the same thing. He's saying, you know, we've got to demythologize the Scripture. Any talk of miracles, we've got to remove the miracle and give a natural explanation for that thing that was called a miracle because in his mind, miracles were ridiculous and could not exist. And then you've got someone like Immanuel Kant. Some of you will know him from philosophy classes. I don't know. Uh, actually, a spectacular writer. Uh, I really enjoy reading him. But the problem is, is here's a guy, again, who, because he doesn't believe in miracles, therefore miracles don't exist. So I've given you all these reasons why people don't believe that God is still active, still at work in our world today. The question for you today is this. What do you believe? And do you actually understand what miracles are? Because if you're a Christian, then here's what you need to understand. And Hebrews uh, tells us clearly, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, he gives us perspective. So what it is that Christians believe and how Christians interpret the world. Look what it says. He says, by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. What is the writer of Hebrews telling us today? He's telling us that just because you don't understand something, that doesn't mean that it's not true. What he's saying is, is that we need to put our faith in a God who gives us revelation and helps us begin to understand. And that's really what Christianity is about. Now, for our physicists here this morning and our scientists, understand that, Hebrews is, is simply saying that God is actively involved in space and in time. You and I have a, a beginning and we have an end, but that's not God. God is not subject to time. He doesn't, God wasn't born and then he dies. Where does God come from? I don't know. We're getting, getting pretty deep here this morning. But I'll say this, is that whoever God is and whatever God is, the way that we know him is through the revelation of Scripture, and this is why it's critical, friends, that you read your Bible on a regular basis because it's in the Bible that God reveals himself. And one of the things that God reveals about himself is that he can supernaturally affect you, come into your life, affect you where you're at. Paul looks at creation 
and he sees it as evidence of God's existence. In fact, if you read in the beginning of Romans, this is what you're gonna see. So that he, Paul says, so that no one is, without, is, is with, with excuse or has an excuse. I believe that the creation of the world is in fact, uh, is a miracle. I believe that what happens on this wor- world is miraculous. Uh, I would call it uh, natural miracles. And by that I mean you put a seed in the ground and what happens? It grows. Now, it's interesting that when you, when you study this in biology, uh, they, can, they can tell you the process that's going on, but, but ultimately, everybody's still left scratching their head saying, wow, that's amazing how that happens. If you've ever been in a birthing room and seen the birth of a child, and you understand what I'm talking about when I talk about the birth of a child as being truly miraculous. But I'm not talking about natural miracles the, the, the natural miracle, the, the birth of a child, the, the growth of a seed, the growth of a tree, that sort of thing. What I'm talking about is supernatural. God breaking into our world, into our natural world, and doing something that's outside of natural law, his natural laws, outside of the laws uh, of this universe. Listen to how Oxford Dictionary describes a miracle. And I love, listen to how it starts. I love this. this is, they say that a miracle is a surprising and welcome event. Isn't that good? A surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore considered to be the work of a divine agency. Well, they're not calling it God, but they're, they're definitely saying that it's something supernatural, a divine agency. Now, here's what you and I need to understand about a miracle the kind of miracles that we're talking about now over the next number of weeks, is that God has broken into your world and into my world. He's broken into this world that we as Christians believe is under the power and the control of of an evil one called Satan. Now, even as I say that, I'm I'm hearing myself through the ears of somebody who's not a believer, who doesn't know Christ yet. And I think, my, that sounds awfully strange. It sounds very superstitious. Now, I am not doing a series on Satan, although I maybe should at some, some time in the future. But suffice it to say is that we do, every one of us, every one of us, we do know and have experienced the power of darkness, of sin, of evil in this world at some point or another. Would everybody agree with me? Okay, so Christianity, Christianity presents us with an understanding of where that comes from, and it comes from someone called Satan. The Bible tells us that this world is still under the power and under the control of Satan until the day that Jesus Christ returns. Now, please, don't dismiss what you don't understand. Before you dismiss this and say, this can't be true, what you need to do is you need to be intellectually honest. You need to research and come to a conclusion based on the evidence of what is written. And so I'm saying to you today that the miracles that you and I experience on a, uh, you know, maybe on a daily basis or maybe, maybe you've, you know, you experience them at different times in your life, the miracles that we read about in the scripture, all of these folks are for God's glory and for his honor. This is why God does miracles in our lives. God does not do miracles just for your ease and for your comfort, not just for your leisure or for your pleasure. God does miracles 
for his purposes, for his glory and honor. Now, some of you are saying, well, Pastor Allen, what does, what, does, what does that mean, God's glory? Well, very simply, it means this, to showcase who he is to a lost and broken world. Now, here's the thing. It's really important that you get this because if you don't get this, you're simply not gonna be able to understand the Bible and you're not gonna be able to understand how God works in your life. What you need to understand is that the most important thing on God's agenda, the top of the list of God's agenda, is that people who are lost and far from him come to know him and accept him as their father. Folks, listen to me. All miracles that happen are all for the purpose of causing people to believe in God. It's for the purpose of causing people to praise God. It's for the purpose of bringing the lost to God. That's what miracles are about. And so we see from the very beginning of time, God breaking in to human history to reveal himself, to show himself to a world that is far from him and doesn't believe. Israel was in slavery for 400 years. And during that 400 years, what do we discover? Not one miracle. They cried out to God. They prayed to God. They believed God. They still worshiped God. They had their customs. But not one miracle. It wasn't until the 400-year mark when suddenly God breaks into their world and suddenly all these miracles are taking place. What's going on? Suddenly God has got a purpose and it's to release these people from slavery so that they will be a light to the whole world. So that those who are looking for God will be able to find them. All they have to do is to look to Israel where they will discover the God of the universe. Folks, listen, this is why when you look at the construction of the Jewish temple, there is what is called the court of the Gentiles. The worship that we see taking place in Israel was for the Jewish people. But remember this, God has not forgotten about the rest of the world. Israel was supposed to showcase, remember, this is the glory of God, for the glory of God, is to showcase who God is. And when you follow God, look at the Israelites and you'll see how God will help you and strengthen you. There's a court of the Gentiles for those who are looking for God. For the, it's for the world, the rest of the world that's looking for God. Now listen to this. Some of you have heard and read about how Jesus cleared the temple. Remember that? Jesus pushed over the tables that the money changers money on it and they're selling stuff and he's got the whip out and everybody's saying, like, what, what's happening to Jesus? What's gone wrong here? I'll tell you why, folks. Is that these people had set up their booths in the court of the Gentiles because some Jewish people thought that God doesn't care about the Gentiles. And who are the Gentiles? It's the rest of the world. Anybody who's not Jewish is Gentile. And they had the notion that God doesn't care about the rest of the world. But I want you to know today that God loves this whole world. And when you read through the book of Revelation, what you're gonna find at the end of time is that everybody from all nations will be coming before God and worshiping him. God cares about the whole world. And he reveals himself first through the people of Israel. God does these miracles to set aside aside a people for himself that will worship him so that God would be known. Now look at this. 
not just so that he has a people who worship him, but it's through the people of Israel that Jesus Christ comes to this world. He's born a Jew. The Messiah comes to the Jewish people. And folks, surrounding all the work that God does are these miracles. The virgin birth and the miracles that Jesus does on the earth and the miracles that happen through the apostles and the miracles that still happen today. Why? Because God wants to reveal himself to a lost world, to a world that doesn't know God. Why do you think Jesus came to this earth? The Bible says clearly Jesus came to this earth to do what? To seek and to save what is lost. That's you and me. That's why Jesus came. This is the top of God's agenda. So listen to this, listen. If you're looking for miracles to take place in your life, let's move from a childish and immature understanding of miracles. Let's move to that place of maturity where we begin to understand that the most important thing in God's agenda is that people come to know him as their Lord and their Savior. That, my friends, is what Christianity is about, and that is what miracles are about. So here's what I know, is that God will do miracles in your life if and when he chooses to reveal himself to the people in your life. Some of you say, Pastor, you know, I prayed, I prayed, and God didn't answer my prayers. And my question is this, did you pray according to God's will and to his purpose? You see, an immature Christianity says, I'm coming to God with my shopping list, kind of similar to what you did when you went to see Santa Claus at the mall. How many know that God is not Santa Claus? How many understand that God has got a sovereign purpose in this world and it's to to rescue, to save what is lost? And here's what I know. I know that God will do miracles in your life if it means people will come to know him as their Lord and Savior. I'm gonna tell you this. Sometimes God doesn't do the miracles that you want him to do. Why is that? Because you understand or we understand that the most important thing of all is that God's will be done. And there's some, t- some things we just don't understand. But I do know this. God's still in the business of doing miracles, and I hope to share some of the ones that I've experienced over the years, over the next number of weeks. And I know that many of you here today have experienced miracles. But understand why God does miracles, and it's to bring glory to his name, to showcase himself to a world that doesn't believe to show himself as a loving God. Jesus Christ, just before he went to the cross, we find him in a place called Gethsemane where he's praying. And what do we find Jesus praying? Jesus knows that the guards are coming to get him. Jesus knows they're coming to take him to the cross. And what does he pray for? Jesus prays for a miracle. Yeah, He says, what does he say? He says, Lord, God, Father, if it's possible, if it's possible, could you let this cup pass for me? In other words, if it's possible, can we do something other than go to the cross? Now, here's something that all of us can relate to. God says no to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. No, there's not going to be a miracle of, of escape. How many of us have prayed and God has not given us what we wanted? Why? Why does, not, why does God not answer Jesus' prayer to, to release him from going to the cross? 
Because there's a more important miracle, a bigger miracle that's to come. And it's the miracle of salvation. Of you and I having a Savior that we can put our faith in so that we can be reconciled to God. Folks, that is the greatest miracle of all. And Billy Graham said it. The great miracle is that when you and I have a brand new nature given to us by God. But in order for that to happen, God had to say no to Jesus' request for a miracle of, of escape. In fact, we discover that there's a far greater miracle. It's a miracle of resurrection. After Jesus died, he arose from the dead. And in rising from the dead, folks, listen to this. In rising from the dead, he secured for you and me eternal life. This is what Christianity is about. It's that your will lines up with the will of God. I don't understand why God heals one person and doesn't heal another, but I do know this. I do know that God has a purpose. And because he is good, I know, I know that whatever happens is for his glory and honor. Some of you here today have gone through difficult times. God's not answered the prayer you expected him to answer. And you've been tempted to say, well, therefore, God does not exist. God doesn't care about me. God's rejected me. God's forgotten him me. I want you to know today, quite the reverse, God loves you. He's not forgotten about you. He knows where you are. He knows what your situation is. And God wants to use you to reveal himself to a broken and hurting world. Would you stand with me, please? I had somebody come to me after the service this morning and say, uh, Pastor, one of the things that caused me to give my life to, to, to God was when I recognized that he was doing miracles in my life. Understand that the thing that God wants more than anything is for you to be in relationship with him. And all your friends and all your family who don't know Christ, that they would come into relationship with God. And this, my friends, is what miracles are really all about. Father, as we come to the end of the service, we want to come as, as mature believers who are willing to say, God, I give you my life for your purpose, for your glory and honor. I want my life to count. God, take my life and use it to cause others to come to you. Use my life as a way to reveal yourself to a broken and hurting world. God, thank you today that you're still in the business of doing miracles. You're still in the business of rescuing those who are lost. And so, God, we surrender our lives to you right now and ask that through us your will would be done. God, we pray that we would see miracles take place in our lives for your great glory and honor. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everyone said it? Tell the person beside you, God still does miracles.